It's time for Football Asia with Paul Williams. Yes, let's wrap up the show with Football Asia in the company of Paul Williams from the Asian Game Podcast. Evening, Paolo. Evening, guys. How are you going? Very good. Uh, This time last week, we were speculating on Australia's opponents at the Asian Cup and uh, the nightmare scenario that you put before us wasn't really that far off becoming reality. So we got Uzbekistan, Syria and India in Group B. Uh, Tough but winnable. Is that fair? I think that would be fair to say. Yeah, it's not it's not the easiest group, but it's not the toughest group as well. There's some tricky challenges and banana skins are plenty. But I think for a side like Australia on the back of the World Cup that they had with Graham Arnold talking um, so confidently as he has about wanting to create one of the best Socceroos teams of all time, um, I think if that's the benchmark that they're setting, then they shouldn't fear anything from this group. Um so I expect Australia will be good enough, especially when you consider that, you know, some third place teams get through. I don't think we're going to see a nightmare scenario of Australia not making it through the group stage. I think Uzbekistan will be our biggest challenges. I've spoken a lot about them in the past. I'm big on them. I think they're a bit of a, a sleeping um, giant um, in coming into this Asian Cup. I think they can do some real damage. Of course, we know, you know, they almost defeated Australia in, in 2019 as well. They've got the likes of Shamorodov and Mashadopov. Who are um who are flying for their clubs? They've got um, young players as well, Fazuliev, Norkayev, uh, Jalolnadov. So they've got some good young players. Whether they are sort of too young and not ready to come into the side for the Asian Cup, it, it, it remains to be seen. But they've got some um, reason to be optimistic. So I think they'll be our biggest challenges. But it, it should be good enough for Australia to get through. And looking through uh, a couple of the other groups as well, Group D looks like the uh, the group of death, I guess. Japan, Indonesia, Iraq, and Vietnam. What do you uh, what do you make of that group? Yeah, there's always got to be a group of death, and I think this on paper certainly is that. Looking at it, I think Japan and Iraq are probably the clear favourites in this group. We know, obviously, Japan will be one of the favourites to win the tournament. Iraq uh, are on an upturn in form as well under Jesus Casas as well. But we know the quality of Vietnam and, and Indonesia are emerging as well. Of course, Vietnam made the quarterfinals last time around. They got Philip Trussier in charge now. So it be fascinating to see how they go under him over the next six months. And I think sometimes the order of the matches can play an important part in deciding these groups as well. So Japan play Vietnam first and Iraq second. So probably the two toughest matches with respect to Indonesia they've got first up. So that will be, that will be interesting for them as well. But I would expect that probably Japan and Indonesia are the the two teams um, that will progress from this group, potentially a third place team as well. Here's my early marker. I'm going to tip Vietnam to go through with Japan in that group. I think the white witch doctor is going to weave his magic and they'll go through to the knockout stage in seconds. That's my big tip. You can mark it here today. Putting a uh, circle around it right now. <laughs> Probably a load of rubbish. Uh, Group A, Paolo, the reigning champions, Qatar. Uh, they've drawn China, Tajikistan and Lebanon. Is there uh, anything to worry about there for Carlos Queiroz with his new team? You wouldn't think so, no. I mean, some people have dubbed it the, the group of life. It's the probably the softest <laughs> group in the draw, but it's also the group of redemption, I think, because you've got Qatar and China who've suffered embarrassing failures at national team level for varying different reasons over the last couple of years, and both are kind of looking to rehabilitate their reputations a little bit. Of course, it's the original hosts of the tournament against the, 
the current hosts of the tournament as well. Um, so that's an interesting narrative as well. But don't rule out Tajikistan springing a surprise here, I reckon. Their coach, Peter Sergat, is a pretty eccentric manager. He's, he calls himself the Einstein of football. It looks a bit like Einstein as well. And um, he's shown in the past that he can get the best out of a team. He's had some good results in the past with uh, a minnow like the Maldives as well. And um, Tajikistan have got some talent. We've seen what Ishtaklal have done in the past in the Champions League. Um, you've got the, the Jalalovs in there that um, that have proven themselves on the Asian stage before. So keep an eye on Tajikistan in this group, I reckon. Okay, uh, Group C, Iran, UAE, Hong Kong and Palestine. Now, uh, UAE have, well, we'd, we've remarked before that they're going through an interesting phase and they've certainly had an interesting week. They've parted company with their coach, Rodolfo Arawa Barena, and their president, Sheikh Rashid. Mm, yeah, it, it goes from bad to worse for the UAE, really. Um, so now they're on the lookout for another coach. I've lost, I've lost count of the number of coaches they've been through over the last four or five years since uh, the last Asian Cup. They'd be up to five, six, seven coaches now, I would have thought. So um, the, the next appointment, they simply just have to get right. They can't afford to get it wrong. Again, they've got talent in the UA. That's the thing. They've got talented players. It's whether um, they can get a coach in, someone like a Hervé Renard, like we saw what he was able to do with with Saudi Arabia, someone who can get come in and, and get the best out of this group. So um, I think the matchup between the UAE and Palestine will be absolutely fascinating because I think Palestine are a bit of a smoky in this group. We know the UAE are struggling massively as well. So that match, which is on the second match day, could be really important because if Palestine can take something out of that, um, could see the UAE potentially miss out altogether. And they've been semi-finalists the last two times. And despite what they're going through, that would still be a bit of a shock. And Group E has got South Korea, Malaysia, Jordan, and Bahrain. This is uh, Jurgen Klinsmann's first um, tilt at the Asian Cup. And, I mean, you're, we're expecting that he'll get off to a winning start? I would expect so. I think he'd be pretty happy with this draw. There's not um, too many hurdles, I think, for a, a team as good as Korea. Bahrain has been quietly improving over the last couple of years under Helio Sousa. So they'll probably present the trickiest opposition, but I still expect um, Korea to be too strong um, for, for the teams in this group. What'll be interesting is the, the Malaysian coach, Kim Pangon, who was recently involved in uh, sort of the, the technical committee of the KFA until recently. So he'll coach against his homeland. He'll know the players. He'll know um, the entire ethos of Korean football particularly well. So that'll be interesting to um, to match up on. And and we know what Jordan did with us. They can run hot and cold sometimes, Jordan. Um, so you don't know really what you're going to get. But look out for uh, Musa Al-Tamari. He was a star in 2019 and he's gone from strength to strength. Just signed in Ligun with Montpellier as well. So um, he'll carry the burden of responsibility um, for, for Jordan in this tournament. Let's hope Klinsman doesn't make the mistake of saying they're going to dominate Jordan like uh, like Australia did four years ago. Uh, group F, I think, is a very interesting group. I mean, on paper, Saudi Arabia should walk it, uh, but there's Thailand, Kyrgyzstan and Oman all still in there. And, of course, as you, you mentioned already, the Green Falcons have lost Herve Renard. Uh, I don't think they've named a successor as yet. They have not, no. So I think the Federation has said that they're um, in deep negotiations with one candidate in particular. They hope to have him named by next month. So um, remains to be seen who that will be. But I think this is a deceptively tricky group, like you said. So on paper, you look at it and go, oh, it probably looks pretty easy for the Saudis. But of course, they still are without a coach. So And they'll have a lot of pressure on them as well to replicate their 
World Cup heroics. So without Renard, what type of side are they? What type of um, system is the new coach going to implement? And Thailand with the bogey pop four side that no one really wanted to draw because they're far better than than being in pot four. So they're a very good side, well-structured, well-organized under Mano Polking. Kyrgyzstan have a, a new coach as well. He coached at the Euros um, in 2022. So it'd be fascinating to see what he can do with this group of players because they made it out of the group stage last time around. And then Oman, we saw what they did in Australia's World Cup qualifying group last time around. They beat Japan in Japan. They had a very good campaign under Branko Ivankovic. They had two very tight games against Saudi Arabia that the Saudis won both 1-0, but Oman weren't without their chances. So they know they can trouble Saudi Arabia as well. So this is on paper looks really easy, but I think it's deceptively tricky um, for uh, for Saudi Arabia. Okay, question without notice. I want a one-word answer, Paolo. Who wins it? (laughs) (laughs) Talk about putting me on the spot uh, six months out. Um, Oh, uh, I, it's impossible to answer <laughs> this far out. Um, who who knows? With form and injury, I've gone well over one word. But uh, I like I like Korea. Okay, which one? I oh, know South Korea, obviously, because North Korea aren't there. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll we'll uh, mar- put a marker in the sand with that one. Write that one down, guys. Uh, South Korea for for Paolo. Uh, let's move on to other matters. Uh, the AFC of uh, well, it's been leaked the club allocation slot uh, for their club competitions in season twenty four twenty five, where we understand there's going to be a, a new third as yet unnamed competition. I'm pretty sure it's going to be called the Asian Conference League, as per <laughs> Europe, uh, to be inaugurated. Now, Australia have got one slot for the ACL, one for the AFC Cup. Presumably, we'll get one for the new competition as well. Is that how you read it? Uh, no, not for the new competition as well. So just oh. one for the ACL, one for the, we presume it's probably still going to be called the AFC Cup or some iteration of that. The The new third-tier competition is essentially designed for purely you know, developing nations, if you want to call them that. So, um, you know, nations that are probably ranked, you know, 20 to to 45, somewhere around that mark. Um, So Australia will will participate in, as you said, one automatic spot for the ACL, one automatic spot for the AFC Cup. um, And that is where Australia sits at the moment. If they want to try and get further up, they've got to overtake Thailand, who are a fair way ahead now in the the coefficients. Um, If they can get up to that point, they'll then get another playoff spot for the ACL as well. But they probably need a couple of really good years in the ACL to to get enough points to to look to overtake Thailand, who are a a fair way ahead. So we need probably Melbourne City to have a good campaign next time around. Yeah, well, that's depressing. I'm sorry I asked that now. Uh, Final question. Uh, Keisuke Honda in the news a little bit. He's stuck his hand up for a coaching gig. He's sort of uh, touting himself around a bit, saying he wants a gig with a team that wants to go to the World Cup and he's listed a few nations, including New Zealand. Is he a good coach? We know he was a great player, Paolo, but is he a good coach? Technically, he's not even a coach because he doesn't even have his coaching badges, (laughs) Um, which is a really fascinating part of this story. Um, He seems seems to be very anti-coaching badges and refuses to get them, which is why technically he was listed as the general manager of Cambodia, not the coach. Um, they always had to get in a, an actual officially licensed coach to be the coach. I mean, he's nothing if not bold, Kasuke Honda. Um, <laughs> credit to him, though. Um, he, he he copped a lot of flack for when he first went to Cambodia, and it was easy, easy to sort of ridicule what he was trying to do. But as of just the Sea Games that have just finished up, 
Um, he's now finished up his post. He lasted five years there um, and was always there with under-23 tournaments, senior tournaments, always there on the ground um, doing his part. And in that time, their ranking hasn't improved, but the side themselves has actually improved quite a lot. They're, they've got a lot of good young talent um, that he helped bring along and he nurtured a very sort of attacking, proactive playing style and and, and made them a little bit more daring in how they played. So, I mean, it remains to be seen whether he is a good coach or not, but I certainly think the job he did in Cambodia, he deserves some some credit for that. But I think if you want another coaching job, go out and get your coaching badges first. Mm. Yeah. If you want to know about me, just look at my Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he needs to say, I guess. Hey, uh, thanks, Paolo. Great stuff thanks, as ever. Mate. Speak to you next week, mate. Cheers, guys.